0: It is Wednesday, and it's the 9th of 2023, August 9th, and we are in Deuteronomy. We're uh, at 27 now, chapter 27 of Deuteronomy. Now 27 and 28 kind of go together, but 28 is very, very long, and I'm sure it's for good reason. So we're going to try to get through 27 tonight. <clears throat> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. Father, we are grateful that we have a place to come to, to meet and to study your word, worship you, and have a place to invite others to come to. Father, I pray that you would send out your Holy Spirit to those people hearts that, uh, you know, we've been working on, that they will want to come and worship with us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, well, uh, you know, at the, at the end of 26, uh, r- remember how it ended, and it says, because, you know, we have chosen the Lord, you know, we, we have... Realize that he is our protection, our rock. He, he is looking out for us. And then, you know, he has, 18 it said, And the Lord hath avouched thee this day to be his peculiar people as he hath promised thee, and that thou shouldest keep all his commandments, and to make thee high, notice, And to make thee high above all nations, which he hath made in praise and in name and in honor, and that thou mayest be an holy people unto the Lord thy God, as he hath spoken. Now if you go over to 28, if you skip over to, to chapter 28 and read the beginning of it, it's like it's picking up right where it left off in 26. Uh, and it says, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nation, all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. So... Uh, It seems like 27 is put in the middle of these two things. And what you're going to see in 27 is a lot of cursings. You will be under a curse if you don't follow. Now, this is for the nation of Israel going into the promised land, right? The Promised Land was a place that was inhabited by a lot of very sinful, godless people. And if you go into a place like that, the land has been cursed because of the bad things that the people have done. And it can get on you, right? I mean, you, you walk into, you know, It's it's hard to catch somebody's cleanness, but you can catch their germs, right? It's easy to get dirty. It's harder to be clean. Since this is for the nation of Israel, but the principle of it would apply to any nation who takes the Word of God and lives by it as a nation. Now, individually, you cannot please God by keeping all these laws because we're under the New Covenant, and if we try to be blessed by keeping all of these laws, we'll fail because we're going to mess up at at least one area, right? And, and if we can't keep all the law, then we failed it. So you can, be, you can keep a lot of it, and you might look good amongst others, other humans, but you're going to fail in the sight of God. If you're trying to please him by keeping the law, then you're doomed. If you look to Jesus and what he did for you, you're going to be good. So we can't miss that by going through Deuteronomy here, but as a nation, you can see our nation crumbling right before our eyes, because as a nation, we don't follow God's ways, His direction. Okay? Now it's very important that you, that you don't lose sight of, we're under a new covenant now. Individually, it's different. Now, all of us, any, anybody individually can live a better life by keeping God's laws. You, you, it just makes sense. If you do what God says and you're just a decent person and you just live this life, and you can live a very good life by following the principles, following God's ways, then you die and go to hell. But you had a great life, and sadly, there's so many people. That's all they think about is having a great life here on this earth, and then they die. I think it was back when uh, all the haze was in the air, with the the fires up north, and and we were uh, talking about it, and I, I, Joseph and I was sitting in the kitchen. We were talking about the air. It's like, like, yeah, yeah, go out there, just don't breathe the air. Don't breathe. And then he said, you know, I've noticed that everybody who breathes, they all eventually die. I'm like, oh, you've got something there. I mean, like almost every single case, if somebody breathes, they eventually die one day. So everybody eventually leaves here we've only got a couple examples of people who didn't die throughout this whole bible we've only got two people that didn't die from breathing the air now who were they hm Enoch and no Elijah <laughs> you that's what you meant to say <laughs> So we got uh, Enoch. Hopefully we'll be talking about him this Sunday. The good Enoch, not the bad Enoch. <clears throat> All righty. But tonight we're going to try to get through 27. I haven't read a word yet. And Moses, with the elders of Israel, commanded the people, saying... Now notice it says, Moses with the elders of Israel... Moses is going to fade out here before long. He can't take the people over. Now, he's, he's with the elders. So, uh, that's, I think that's important to notice that. With the elders of Israel, commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you this day. And it shall be on the day when ye shall pass over Jordan unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, that thou shalt set thee up great stones and plaster them with plaster or or, uh, whitewash with limestone. is probably what that means. And thou shalt write upon them all the words of this law when thou art passed over, that thou mayest go in unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee (coughs) a land that floweth with milk and honey as the Lord God of thy fathers hath uh, promised thee. Now, as we've read through Deuteronomy, have you noticed how many times you see the word Lord? L-O-R-D, all caps, all of them. Do you know how many times in the whole Bible that the word Lord, in all of its forms, Lord is in the Bible? We we were looking at that last night. Uh, It was like seven thousand eight hundred thirty six times. Seven thousand eight hundred. I think my concordance said eight hundred thirty eight, possibly, but I believe it's eight hundred thirty six. That is God Almighty, Jehovah. That's what it's talking about when you see all the all those letters capitalized. And. That is the name of our God. Very, very important. And he put his name in this Bible. And we carry this Bible around. And it has been attacked so much ever since it was uh, being translated into the English language especially. Especially. Now, even before that, it was uh, wiped out by what thought to be wiped out by Roman emperors. And then that was in the, probably the two, around 200, in the 280s. And then when Constantine came around, he brought it back. The story goes that, I can't remember the guy before him, starts with a D. But anyway, it's the emperor before Constantine, and he went out and they, gathered up all the Bibles they could find to destroy them. He thought that he had wiped them all out. There was none left. Because if you got caught with one, you were put to death. And people were very scared. You know, fear is a big-time motivator. And, you know, your enemy knows that. Your enemy knows that if he can get you to fear, then he can control you better. Well, so the evil men will use fear to get you to, to submit to them. Well, that emperor went around and made an example of people they caught with the Bible. Because people didn't want to get rid of, rid of whatever they had that was scripture. And they would kill them, brutally kill them, torture and kill them, so people would, would give up their Bibles. And he burned them all and put a big sign up over the big burn pile that the Bible had been eliminated from the earth. And then when Constantine came around, he wanted to bring the Bible back. And people were like, oh, they're all gone. They're all gone. So he put up some type of reward system. If somebody could find one and bring him one, and it was, it was like in no time. Like in one day, like 50 Bibles showed up. People come from every direction. You know, they were like, here, here's one. And I want, where's my reward? So people risked their lives back then to hold on to the Word of God. Now, it has been attacked and, and uh, tried to be eliminated by so many different people all through our time here on this earth, uh, from the time that all this was written. You know, so you've got 2,000 years of people trying to eliminate it. In the Word of God, it says that His Word will last forever. You can't get rid of it. You try the best you can, and it, you just can't do it. You're not going to be able to get rid of it. So the devil is really clever in that if you can't get rid of it, well, then let's just add a whole bunch of other stuff. You know, we'll bring in all these other new and improved versions of the Bible, and it's even better. So he corrupts the real Word of God, And then that causes confusion and gets people off track. So, as you know, I think the King James Bible is the perfect word of God in the English language. Now, there will be people who will say that, uh, you know, the Geneva Bible was the first full English translation. They finally got it all right and it was good, and that's the one that was great. And there are some people that I like to listen to that will say the Geneva Bible was better. And the King James Bible was a compromise. Well, why would they say something like that? Well, the kings hated the Geneva Bible because it talked bad about kings. So the Geneva Bible really brought it out All the places throughout the Bible where it talked bad about kings, it brought it out, and they had uh, notes in the margin of of a Geneva Bible. So it was man's ideas about what the Bible said. It was almost like a study Bible, but it was man's ideas on it. Well, the kings didn't like it because they really brought that out. So whether King James had bad motives or not, what he did was he wanted a Bible with nothing but the Word of God. He wanted all of those notes eliminated. So when the King James Bible came out, you had nothing but God's Word. Well, he he may have done it to get rid of all the notes. But guess what? We got the Word of God and only the Word of God. Now, it's hard to find a Bible today that only has the Word of God because everybody wants a study Bible. And that's not bad, but you've got to be careful because everybody's, there's no one person that has a study Bible that's got it all right. They're going to be wrong somewhere. But the Word itself is perfect. And we, some some of my favorite people that have been dead for a long time, They'll say, well, in the King James Version, they used this word, and they shouldn't have used that word, they should have used this word, and I just, you know, it's a good thing you're dead. <clears throat> but I want to go, no, it's perfect the way it is. Stop causing doubt. Now, we had, like, last, last week, we had this word, avouched, and I brought that huge dictionary in here, and we looked it up. It exercised our brains. Don't be afraid of those old, archaic words. You will learn. Now, sometime in the near future, I, we're going to, Joseph and I was, was, we were watching something last night. He had watched it before, and he brought it to my attention, and then we were looking at it again. The way the the way chapters and verses were put in the Bible at whatever time that happened, God was, and you've heard me say this before, God had His hand, the Holy Spirit had His hand on where the chapters fell and where the verses fell. God knew way beforehand what man would do with it. And He wrote it, spoke it into existence in a way that when man did what he wanted to do with it and then goes through standardizing all of it uh, it would be right when it was all said and done it would be perfect. Just to give you a a small example you can you can back up to uh, chapter 16. Remember what I I have been saying, ever since we started Deuteronomy, I have been saying, pay attention to this book. This is the book of the Bible that Jesus quoted every time he was tempted by the devil. Jesus quoted out of Deuteronomy. There are things written in Deuteronomy that if you just, if you didn't tell anybody where you were reading from, they would think you were reading out of the New Testament." There's all kinds of stuff that is in Deuteronomy that is amazing. Okay, now, all right, in in, uh, Deuteronomy 16, chapter 16, look at verse 11. It says, And thou shalt rejoice before the Lord. That is the seventh word in that verse. The seventh. Lord thy God. Thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy manservant and thy maidservant and the Levite that is within thy gates and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow that are among you in the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen. All right, so see that other Lord? We just read Lord twice in this one verse. I hope you were counting along as I was reading. That's the 49th word in one Verse. So it's seven times seven, 49. So Lord, the first time Lord appears in that, in that verse, it's the seventh word, and the second time Lord appears in that verse, it's the 49th word. Well, when, it, when the King James Bible first came out uh, in 1611, it was the second Lord was the 51st word. But after standardizing... See, servant and maidservant were separated. Well, now it's together. So it knocked the Lord, the second time it was used, back two places to 49. Which was perfect. Now what's really cool is, this is 1611, when the King James Bible came out. That's when it came out, it was in 1611. And then if you look at the end of the verse where it says, in the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen to place his name there. Now this is just from memory, and it's in Chronicles, where it talks about, was it, in Joseph, you can, you can help me with this. Was it, was it David instructing Solomon to build the temple? It was something about seven, and when it started, it was. It ended up being seven years of whatever it was that the finishing stages were. It was something about seven years. Now the King James Bible was. All right, king James was king of Scotland, and then he be, he was like King James the sixth or something of Scotland. But then he became King James the first. He was he was really really young. When he was first going to be king. But in in 1603 there was a big meeting and he wanted that's when he wanted to correct what he thought needed to be corrected out, out of the Geneva and get rid of all those notes. And and then finally in 1604 it was like a decree that that's going to happen. 1604 the, the green light, the it was boom, it's d- sealed, this is what we're going to do, and they started gathering up, what was it, 47 different translators, and they divided them up, and they were in different universities, and they started working on translating the Bible, and it took them seven years. So, in Chronicles, talking about the house of the Lord, and where We've, we've read it several times in Deuteronomy, how the Lord, where this is what you do where I build my house and where my name is and all that. We've been seeing that throughout Deuteronomy, but they don't have that place yet. It's, it's something they're looking forward to. And it's almost like this Bible is where he placed his name. You can have a great temple built, beautiful temple, and it can be completely destroyed. And then you can build it again. Several years later, you can build another one, even greater, and it can be totally destroyed. And it was. But this Word of God, no one's been able to destroy it. And God's name is in here. You know, I, I have a story that, I'm not going to share the details because it's kind of gross, but it involves a backpack and I was on a company trip and everything inside of that backpack was pretty much destroyed, had to be thrown away. I had a Bible, a little King James Bible, a leather Bible that snapped. It was the only thing in that backpack that survived, had no damage whatsoever. So, the amount of times you see the number seven, you get to Revelation and it's seven, 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 all through sevens. One day when we get to heaven and we see how this is all put together and how all the verses and chapters, everything lines up, we're going to be like, whoa, that is so cool. But, I mean, there's people who have some time on their hands and they go in and they, they work on this to where you can see that it's way beyond what any man could actually put together to where these things fall in place the way they do. This is one small example. You know, uh, I, I've mentioned it several times before, but the very first verse of the Bible and the very last verse of the Bible Exact same number of letters. But not just the exact same number of letters, but the exact same number of consonants, which means the exact same number of vowels. Now, every other version of the Bible messes that up by one because they add an S to heaven. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. All the scholars, all the smart people, they they always, you got to put that S on the end and it destroys that. You know, Jesus said he was the alpha and the omega, he's the beginning and the end. And it would make sense that the very first verse and the very last verse would match up perfectly like that. But man says, well, we need to add an s. Just one little letter messes it up. You know, John 3:16, a 25-word verse. <clears throat> The only begotten Son, capital S, Son, is right in the center of that verse. It had to be an odd number so that you can have a center. When you look at the feast, there's going to be probably seven, and then that means that there's one in the middle that you really need to pay attention to. And that one in the middle is going to be Jesus Christ. Something very significant about him is going to be right in the center. So John 3.16, in most newer versions of the Bible, they take out begotten for some reason. Maybe that's an old word and they don't like that word, but begotten. And and it'll say something like uh, God's one and only son. But however they redo it, it makes, it makes it to where there's not 25 words anymore. So it moves the sun that's in the center one way or the other, off-center. And you'll notice that in almost every new version of the Bible. Jesus is pushed off-center. He's not in the center of it anymore. So all of those things point to a God that, is so perfect in every detail. And we and we so when people say, you know, well, yeah, it's mostly good. It's just doubt. It's all good. All of it's good. Every word is good. And there's a and if you can't figure out why, if you if you or in Acts, and you say, Well, the King James says Easter, and no other Bible in the whole world says Easter. At all. It all says, they all, it, you know, that one place. It's the one place, the only place in the Word of God that it says Easter. And you're like, Well, that's wrong, because all the other ones corrected it, and they said Passover. And they got a good reason for it. And it makes sense to the human mind. But I'm way too scared to change it, because my mind is not that great and my ways are nowhere near God's ways, and I am very scared to change a word of it. People have good arguments to why it should be Passover, but I've also heard some good arguments why it should be Easter, because there was a pagan holiday called Easter back then, and Herod would not have been one bit worried about Passover. He didn't care about that, but he would have been involved in Easter. But anyway... um, The word of god if you're carrying around that bible you've got something very very special and treat it that way stand up for it let people see how sure you are that it is the word of god therefore this is verse four therefore it shall be when ye be gone over jordan that ye shall set up these stones, which I command you this day in Mount Ebal, and thou shalt plaster them with plaster. Now, you gotta get over to Joshua, probably, i say chapter eight, and they actually do all of this stuff. And when you get over there, if you're reading Joshua, you're gonna look back at this, since you've studied this, and you're gonna go, he followed that perfectly. I mean, he did exactly what Moses. So Joshua listened to all this. And when they get into the promised land, even though Moses is not there, he has died up on a mountain, and nobody knows where his body is. God buried him. Moses was not allowed to go in. And Joshua, which means the same thing Jesus means in the New Testament, You know, Joshua and Jesus mean the same thing. And Joshua was able to take the people into the promised land. Now, Jesus is the only one who can take us into our promised land. Five, and there shalt shalt thou build an altar unto the Lord thy God, an altar of stones. Thou shalt not lift up any iron tool upon them. So, this... Every, you know, it's just like every person is different, and try, stop trying to shape somebody into what they're not. You know, we have we we have that a lot. Uh, everybody's different. Everybody has a different gift, and you know, a stone wall of all these different sizes makes a beautiful wall, right? Beautiful. Now, if you have a wall that is out of uh, blocks or bricks, and they, every single one of them are the exact same size, and it's so easy to put it together because everything's the same size. It's all going to stack nice and level, and you just walk right by it. It's just a wall. But if you look at a stone wall, so they don't want. It says right here, not don't lift up a tool, an iron tool upon them. Don't try to shape them. Leave them natural and build this wall. So they're going, to build, they're going to build an altar out of these rocks. Thou shalt build the altar of the Lord thy God of whole stones, and thou shalt offer burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord thy God. And thou shalt offer peace offerings, and shalt eat there, and rejoice before the Lord thy God. And thou shalt write upon the stones all the words of this law very plainly. And Moses and the priest, the Levites, now the first verse says, and Moses with the elders of Israel, now it says, and Moses and the priest, the Levites, spake unto all Israel, saying, take heed and hearken, O Israel, this day thou art become the people of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt therefore obey the voice of the Lord thy God, and do his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. And Moses charged the people the same day, saying, These shall stand upon mount... Now, now what is this... How do you say this name of this mountain? It's... uh, The middle of the word is the emphasis. But I've got two different places that I looked... And the one says, uh, ju- it's like a, a lowercase i, but then the other one is a big U sound. So, uh, jagersum. Ju- but that's not the way it's spelt, but the one dictionary I have here, that's what it says. But then, in my uh, Thompson chain reference, it's, it says, um, jurism So... A lot of people might say Ger, Gerizm. But this, this is a mountain. All right, let, let me finish reading this verse. These shall stand upon Mount ger, Gerizim to bless the people when ye are come over Jordan. So you've gone across the river. All right, this is something that's going to happen in the future as this is being written. Simeon, Levi, and Judah, and Issachar... And Joseph and Benjamin. Notice it says Joseph. It doesn't say Ephraim and Manasseh. Now it's six tribes that are going to be on this mountain. Now this, who knows where Jerizim is? That mountain. You know where that is? Anybody? What's that? I can't hear you. Right. So Mount Ebal is right there, and then Jerizim. Is right is I think it's two miles between the two two miles big valley between so so this one right here I'll give you a hint Uh, John chapter 4 John chapter 4 Jacob's well is there the Samaritan woman is at the well and she says so you say that on your mountain is where you got to worship, and we worship on our mountain and all that. You know, and then that's when Jesus said that, you know, there's going to come a time real soon that, it, it, that you don't go here or there, but it's you're going to worship God in spirit and truth. So this is where that mountain's at the Samaritan area. So these tribes are going to stand on that mountain, and then he says. And these shall stand upon Mount Ebal to curse. And it's going to be Reuben and Gad and Asher and Zebulun and Dan and Naphtali. Now, the first group of people, that's going to be sons of Leah and uh, Rachel. Now, two of Leah's sons are in the second group. Reuben, you you remember what he did? He did a very bad thing. And he lost the birthright of the firstborn. So he's in this second. You have Gad and Asher, uh, Dan and Naphtali. So I'm pretty sure that Reuben and Is it Zebulun is one of Leah's? And then I think Gad and Asher and Dan and Naphtali are, are handmaid's kids. So you've got the handmaid kids, and then two of the sons of Leah. So it's divided up. There's 12 tribes. you got six tribes on the one mountain and six tribes on the other. And the Levite shall speak and say unto all the men of Israel with a loud voice. Now, here's the rest of this chapter is cursed, 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 and a whole bunch of amen, amen, amen. So 15 through 26 is over and over and over again. Okay, cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image an abomination unto the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsman, that, and putteth it in a secret place, and all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Okay, That's, that goes right along with the first two commandments. T- you know, When you're looking at the Ten Commandments, and even if you hide it, you know, Rachel died in childbirth. She, she died giving birth to Benjamin. Why did she die? She had carried the idols with her from her father's house as they were going away from there, heading back to uh, Jacob's land, his, where he's really from, and she hid those idols. Well, she died. So even if you keep it secret, you are causing all of those around because of your secret sin, you are causing judgment to come amongst the people you're associated with. You gotta remember that. 16. Cursed be he that setteth light by his see setteth light by his father or his mother and all the pe-. all right, so if basically you need to honor your father and your mother. And all the people shall say amen. 17. Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark. So that basically would be, you know, his spot. His, I need to take this, m- m- this stone right here that marks his property corner and move it that way because I need a little more land. I want, I want access to this, whatever. And you s- go out and you move the landmark, which would be basically stealing his property and all the people shall say amen. 18, cursed be he that maketh the blind to wander out of the way, and all the people shall say amen. So, you have to look out for those people who are disabled. Be good to them. Cursed be he that perverteth the judgment of the stranger, fatherless, and widow. So, anybody who is in a state of... uh, need, they can't, they don't have what they need to take care of themselves, and you need to be there to take up for them. Okay? And definitely don't do anything that would cause them to fall into some type of unfair judgment. 20, Cursed be he that lieth with his father's wife. Now that's that's what Reuben did. Now that sounds weird because you got to remember Jacob had four wives, so Reuben w- took one of the handmaids, okay? So it wasn't his mother, but it was still considered incest, and it was a very, very bad thing that happened to Reuben. I mean, he, he was under uh, major punishment because of what he did. Uh, because he uncovereth his father's skirt, and all the people shall say amen, 21, Cursed be he that lieth with any manner of beast, and all the people shall say amen. Uh, You would think, why does this even have to be in the Bible? But in in Canaan, under these really weird pagan civilizations, it was a problem. That's why it's in the Bible. Uh, 22. Cursed be he that lieth with his sister, the daughter of his father, or the daughter of his mother and all the people shall say, Amen. 23, Cursed be he that lieth with his mother-in-law, and all the people shall say, Amen. Notice how many are involved with the perversion of uh, sex. You know, there's only one way that sex is okay with God, and it's marriage between a man and a woman. That's the only way it's good. And look at all the other ways as bad, and Satan uses them all to try to destroy the one good. And if you can destroy that amongst people on earth, and they don't see the value of being the bride of Christ, and it's destroying that relationship as well. 24. Cursed be he that smiteth his neighbor secretly, and all the people shall say, Amen. Amen. Cursed be he that taketh reward to slay an innocent person, and all the people shall say, Amen. So those two are murder. So you secretly going out and eliminating somebody—it's kind of what Rube, I mean. Uh, Cain did to Abel, and then this is the second one: is someone uh, paying you to get rid of somebody? or giving you some, something you want if you can eliminate this person. See, and that can, you, can, you can really get into this one. Uh, that could be, you can, you can apply that to abortion. That's an innocent person inside of the womb, and you tell the mother, you are not going to be able to do your career that you've been studying for, and you're going to live in poverty, and blah blah blah, if you keep this baby kill it, and you'll have reward. See? It's, it's in, in that too. Uh, 26, cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them, and all the people shall say amen. Now notice, in all of 27, it's all cursed. Cursed, 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 cursed. All of it. Notice the very last verse. Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them. We're all cursed, every last one of us. And it's, it's a done deal in 27, because you can't keep them all. Now, you might go through this list, and you're like, well, I don't do that, I don't do that, I don't do that. But then at the very end, that's why the last of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet. I mean, you might be really good at all the others. You might not think you have idols in the first part of it. Oh, no, no, I haven't done, I haven't, you know, done this, that, and the others. There was a guy talking the other day, talking about this real, real fancy car. Oh, it was, Jack, it was uh, Hibbs, the pastor in Southern California. He was talking about when he was young and he got this really fancy car, and he said, you know, I, I parked it. He said, I might as well walk to work because I parked so far away from the building. Because he, he said, I, I didn't want anybody dent in I mean my car. <laughs> so you, you might be really good at keeping all of these commandments. You, you're thinking you're doing pretty good. And then you get to thou shalt not covet. And, and you fail. You fail. So that's what this last verse does. It lets you know that even if you're better than others... You still failed, and you're cursed. That's the way you are. That's, you're, that's, that is it. So you're cursed. Aren't you glad we have a Galatians in our Bible? Because if it ended here, you're done for. But in Galatians, I read, I read this one verse last night at the council meeting. But right before that, in 19, this is Galatians 2. Verse 19, and into chapter 3, it says, For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Notice, it's it's his faith. Jesus' faith, of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, and if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, Doeth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed." And so then, so then they which be of faith are blessed with faith, faithful Abraham. Now here's the two main verses that you need to hear. For this is verse 10, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. Yes you are. We just read it in Deuteronomy 27. For it is written, cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Just read it in Hebrews 27. But that, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith. But the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Now, back in Deuteronomy, we were in 16, but in 21, the very last verse of chapter 21 says, and we, we went through this, And what I just read out of Galatians matches up with this. And it's talking about, And if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be to be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. Remember how Jesus was taken off the cross and put in that tomb? In Deuteronomy 21, 23 is telling us what is going to happen when Jesus comes. Way, way down the line. His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God. Jesus took all of our sin on himself, and he was accursed, hanging on that tree by God, that thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Now, when you look at the word LORD, all caps, which is right here in 23, 21, 20, 21 23, from what I'm told... When you get to that, remember I said there was 7,836, I think, times that the word Lord is used. Well, from what I've been told, this word Lord right here in 23, if you're using just the L, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that word for Jehovah, this right here, if I remember correctly, is the 1,611th time that is used in the Bible, right here, 1611. That's just what I've been told. Now, Lord, just, uh, you know, L, little o, rd, that, both of them, can, using all of those, when you get to Deuteronomy 1611, that's the 1,611th time that is used, when you use both of those. Deuteronomy 1611, is the 1,611th time that Lord is used. Wow. So, I'm going to let y'all do the counting. Y'all can do that on your own. I have not done it myself, but that's what I've heard. And if that's the case, my King James Bible is the perfect word of God. And I have no doubts whatsoever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We thank you for your word, Father, you said you would preserve it, and you have done so. Father, man has tried to destroy it, and it has come through in shipwrecks, in burnings. Father, I saw your word come out of my backpack in perfect condition when everything else was ruined. Father. I believe that you will preserve your word till the end. Thank you for giving it to us. Father, your name has been placed in your holy scriptures. Father, we carry it with us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Jesus hanging on that tree in our place. Thank you, Father. In Christ, let me pray.